to MMA, BJJ, and life. I'm your host, DJ San Marco, along with my co-host tonight, Mr. Nicholas Cazono. And who is absent tonight, Nick? Who? Who is not here to be heard again? It's the doctor. He's got doctor things to do. The doctor of love, <laughs> Willoughby, Thrillaby, Woo. My man, Dr. Will Woo, uh, our esteemed colleague. And when I say esteemed, think broccoli, okay? Yeah, it's healthy. All right, make sure you can make sure you don't know sell my joke, my jokes, Nick. Or you're fired, okay? <laughs> fired. There I told you, man. 401k. I'm just kidding. You gotta have that. You gotta have that laughter uh, okay. button. I need the laugh track. I know. So laugh we'll, track. <laughs> we'll work on the laugh track. Uh, that which Rogan doesn't have to use on his podcast because people actually laugh. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> anyway. Oh, another thing we got to talk to is about. More politics, man. Masvidal, Trump Jr., all that. So don't let me forget that one. In fact, um, yeah, we'll do that after we cover the card, right? So just type that in your notes. Okay. Masvidal, Donald Trump Jr., blah, 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 blah. Yeah, politics can, uh, continuing to weave its way through MMA. Um, anyway, um, so MMA, BJJ in life, the product of myself, but more importantly, Nick Cazono, our uh, – Purple belt, heavy metal bass player, who hopefully is going to be accepted into nursing school soon. And, hopefully. <laughs> okay. And if I have to write you a letter, uh, hopefully that's like your last ditch effort. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sure you'll <laughs> you'll get in without me because you're studious. Um, by the way, I got a joke for Eugene. He won't hear this, but uh, when we get Eugene, and we're talking about Eugene S. Robinson, the brilliant. MMA analyst, brilliant orator. Would that be fair to say? That's yeah. fair for sure. The Mario Cuomo of uh, of Silicon Valley. Uh, <laughs> but um, I was going to say to Eugene that what Nick has in his Portland apartment is not exactly a shrine to you. <laughs> so I'm going to pretend like you have a, a Eugene shrine in your apartment. But I'll say it's more of an. I think he'll get a big kick out of that. I'll say it's not a shrine. It's more of an ode. O D E. Yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah. It, like, I'll think of something to describe it to him, but yeah, won't show it to him. <laughs> yeah. Tell him that you're you're the MMA equivalent of Rupert Pupkin, which was you won't you won't remember this movie because you were kind of young, but there was a movie De Niro was in and Jerry Lewis, and it was called okay. the, the King of Comedy, and basically it was about. Robert De Niro uh, was a super fan, a sick super fan of Jerry Lewis, and he actually kidnapped him to be able to go and go out on stage. He thought he was funny, and so he goes, oh, I'll go out. I could do your show just as well as you can, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, Eugene loves a Rupert Pupkin reference, so we're going to use that. So Oh, fair enough. And guys, nice. in, in the biz, this is called foreshadowing, but anyway <laughs> – <laughs> or literature as well. So. Yeah, in literature, right? <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So, MMA, BJJ, and life. Will Wu, Doctor Will Wu of Cal State Long Beach, our, and we still don't know exactly motor learning, motor control, sport science, something, and that's why we're not doctors because we can't even say what he does. Yeah, it's just over our heads. It's yeah, it's just like it's <laughs> like I I don't know. It's, I yeah. kind of have an idea of what it is, but. Yeah. You know, the, the, the specific details and what he actually does. I'm like, eh. Yeah, at least it, it would be nice if I could have – oh, let me turn off my email. 
There's nothing I hate more than the email chime when I'm doing a show that makes me want to hurt someone. All right, hopefully that, that won't receive email anymore. Um, so anyway, UFC 253, Nick, Israel Adesanya, Paulo Costa. I, I had an update tonight from the guys from Heavy Hands. I know one is, is Connor Rebush, and the other okay. gentleman's name is Phil something, and I can't remember his last name. Uh, but they're both brilliant analysts. So uh, and they they uh, they supported my point about Kelvin Gaslam. But anyway, go oh, ahead. nice. Yeah, OK, yeah, yeah, I'm all excited. Oh, so go ahead and give me uh, your analysis of that fight of uh, of uh, that big win for Israel Adesanya. He made it look easy, quite frankly. He really did make it look easy. I mean, I think it was just, you know, fighting long. You know, uh, leg kicks obviously that he landed did did some did a number on Costa, and then started to sort of deter Costa from pressing forward. Now, granted, Costa tried to press forward and do his thing, but it might have been a bit too late after you know absorbing all those leg kicks and everything like that. But yeah, I mean, the straight jab, the leg kicks, and then just it just set up everything else. And then before you know it, you know, Costa was pretty much, it was like quicksand for him. It was just, by the time he realized he was in trouble, it was too late and he was just sinking. And then, you know, Izzy had to just, I think he did the same like left hook, I think uh, evade type counter he mm -hmm. did against um, Whitaker. Robert I think Whitaker. someone on Twitter, yeah, I think someone on Twitter like literally posted both shots of like the knockouts of both Whitaker and Costa side by side. And it's crazy how similar it looks where he just like kind of, you know dips his sort of upper body and face back and then he just you know along with the left hook that comes and just connects it was yeah it was like, impressive like what anderson silva tried to do to weidman but then he actually got hit yeah yeah pretty much <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know what's funny with those they those kinds of techniques work right up until they don't work um so yeah that's all i could say True, but Costa, I think his reach was like, I mean, people are just kind of making fun of him on the internet about how short his reach is. So I think they kind of knew like, all right, we could get away with these types of like evades by just kind of leaning back and doing all that sort of stuff. So, Yeah, it was uh, what I saw mm. and what those guys talked about. Um, and we spoke about, you and I spoke about it. Um, so this is my take on the fight is this. Initially going into it, I saw that Paulo Costa, you know, given his body type and his striking style, could do something that was analogous to what um, what Kelvin Gastelum did. Okay, and that fight went the distance. Izzy was really beat up, and basically it involves coming forward, and that's what Connor Rebush and uh, Phil were talking about on Heavy Hands. Is they're talking about you come forward, you throw you throw your combinations, you stay in his face. You don't sit back and, and, and waving him. And he, they said as soon as he ate the first couple leg kicks and was, like, waving it at Izzy to come on at range, they were just like, oh, my God, he's in trouble. Like, this is about <laughs> to go really, really wrong. Um, what I, what I want to say, and we're, gonna, we're going to reference this in the next fight as well, which was, refresh my memory real quick. It was uh, um, the the light heavyweight fight, which was Jan Blachowicz 
Oh yeah, Dominic Reyes. Come on, you come on, you gotta catch my back, man. Dominic, Dominic don't leave Reyes. a man behind, brother. <laughs> no soldier and Dominic Reyes. Okay, don't leave me behind. So, um, <laughs> so with that, with this fight, there are many things you can do. What makes this different in striking? And anybody who's sparred before knows this. When you're in there sparring with somebody and you're doing a striking round, whether it's boxing or kickboxing. Particularly, you know, boxing can be even worse, actually, if you don't have kicks. So boxing can, in a way, be harder. When you can't, when you, the rules are that you can't, like, clinch that person. When I say clinch, I don't mean, like, boxing clinch, where they separate you right away. I mean clinch and put that person in the cage. It can be very scary when you're being outstruck and you can't clinch. And it's, um, I'm pretty sure I've had those days in the very short time I trained MMA when we would do striking training. Uh, being outstruck is scary if you don't, you can't execute any kind of wrestling, any kind of grappling, any kind of clinch. What Paulo Costa failed to do is that from a clinch, there are so many options you have when your opponent are against the cage that can keep you there and keep the referee from separating you. Those could be knees. Those could be dropping down for takedowns and, and not long enough to get Travis Brown elbowed in the side of the head and then popping back up. It could be re-engaging in over and in under. It could be throwing in an elbow. It could be a foot stomp. Okay, It could, it could actually be punching and then coming back in for a clinch. Um, it's underhooking, overhooking. There are so many things that you can do uh, trips. We haven't even talked about that yet. You know, Ronda Rousey used to, she would, she would underhook. She would tip you one way. She would get you leaning and then she'd come back the other way. And that was usually where she would hit like an Uchi Mata or a Nosotogari or something like that. And she would take you down. Um, so there's a lot of things you can do. Standing in the center of the cage with a guy willfully with a guy who's a lot better range kickboxer than you is not the way. Yeah, I mean, agreed. And I think, I don't know, there's some theories or views out there that said maybe, I don't know, I forgot by who specifically, but probably by quite a few people out there that said, you know, a five-round fight, maybe Costa was kind of conserving his energy in the first round, so he didn't want to go all out and everything like that. But when you do that against Israel Adesanya and, and um, <clears throat> try to, yeah, conserve your energy and whatnot, you know, he's going to probably eat you up. Well, what about in, in just the, in the range department? Well, even before we say that, you're getting kicked in the leg, and you're not checking that kick. So now, and now you're waving him on to do it more. I mean, what? Okay, just one thing. Yeah, I, I don't. Wanna, I want to throw something in there for you. From again, there's so many smarter minds out there on uh, than myself that on mm -hmm. MMA and particularly in striking, and uh, and obviously Nick and I are. Uh, of grappling and grappling wrestling based guys. But uh, they said when they watched the training footage, it was out there at Costa. He was doing some of the very same things that they obviously saw Gastelum do on film. And then he totally did not do them in the fight. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, so maybe that he was, just froze that was up or... myself on the back. Let me reach back there. And... Yeah. Well, I'm glad you said that because I think Chael Sonnen or someone said that um, 
you know, the kickboxers that they brought in to prepare Costa for this fight, he, he alluded that maybe those, those sessions were not good sessions for him that kind of killed his confidence in, in preparation for this fight, that those kickboxers basically just schooled him in those rounds that he had. And then come the fight, he was just like, almost like, you know, deer in the headlights, kind of scared to, to, to fight Adesanya because all those sessions of him being prepared against those high-level kickboxers they brought in didn't really do well, his then, confidence. Then guess what, man? Okay. That's your last day in sparring, man. Hit here's your here's your check and hit the bricks, man. Because if I'm bringing in yeah. somebody who's gonna whip my at, you know, literally house me in training, I'm gonna have no confidence to fight. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of stupid. That's like me doing MMA and I'm gonna go. You know what? I want to work on my Muay Thai. Maybe I'll bring in Bukow. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and, uh, you. <laughs> You would think his coaches would see this and be like, all right, this dude's confident. You know, Costa's confidence is being shattered by these sessions. Let's either dial it back or let's drill a bit more things or ha even have these guys just kind of go 75, 50% against him just to get his confidence Absolutely. back. I mean, I know. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, oh, what's his face? Uh, Frost the Hobby. He had stories on Joe Rogan talking about GSP that. You know, after I don't know if it, it might have been after the uh, Matt Sarah fight, the fight or whatever, that uh, he had a he had training partners for GSP, and he just told those guys like, "Hey, don't land anything on this guy." Like he, I think he might have suffered a concussion prior or right, something. Yeah. Like, just just for just to save this to GSP's confidence. Granted, he said this, uh, you know, years after GSP has retired and everything. But yeah, it's just really interesting to see kind of how a coach foresees like you know or kind of manages you know a uh, fighter's confidence in training and, and oh my god did he then take that confidence and put it on matt sarah i mean what he did to matt sarah yeah. is 10 times more embarrassing than what ha than what matt sarah did to him oh for sure do you I remember mean, that he was turtled <laughs> he, he could was do anything up in the corner and basically, oh, yeah. he and threw those Sarah's knees like against the inside. <laughs> knees into the room. Yeah, cage. it was bad. Yeah, that was bad, man. I, I think Sarah either tapped from that or Eve Levine or whoever his ref might have saved him. Uh, just yeah, they might have stopped just, it, yeah. Yeah, he just covered up. And and G, GSP was just teen, just getting lots of length, extending his leg all the way out and bringing that knee in there. Oh, yeah. So that was pretty vicious stuff. I love you, Matt, Sarah. We're both from New York, homie. I'm with you, man. Go get oh, yeah. Diego's coach. What One for? short man to another yeah, short, short man. man. I love you, man, Sarah. <laughs> like you, man. Short people. Only that, uh, <laughs> you know, your Kimura is better than my entire life. Anyway. <laughs> um, so I think I think that's all we have for that. For Israel, uh, what do you see next? For Costa, what do you see next? I mean, Israel... There's like John Jones talks potentially. I mean, Jared can he mentioned Jared can I mean, Israel, he's a beautiful man. I love when he calls Jared yeah. Cannonier a beautiful man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Israel, he know like you got to give him credit. I mean, he pays he pays attention to his own division. He knows pretty much all the guys there. He's mentioned Cannonier a number of times, saying he's a dark horse. So, you know, it's cool that he mentions Cannonier. Yeah. He also mentioned what's his face, Sergio Manson, as well. I think, I think what you're saying is he's he actually Israel has raised the profile of Jared Cannonier. Not only that his 
his game has been awesome and has been elevated, but but Israel has elevated his profile over the last two fights that he's had. Yeah, I mean, it's smart because, you know, bring up a guy that maybe only the hardcores know that the casuals don't, but then put some more eyes on him. So when they do fight, you know, people kind of are a bit more familiar with him, oh, you know. He's got game. That's going to be great. Him and Rob Whitaker, right? Yep, yep. He's oh. fighting Rob Whitaker and huh. but I don't know. And there's I'm talks getting, of uh, I need a cold towel, Nick. <laughs> I need some ice. Woo. Yeah, yeah, I but there's, like there's Eddie talks Mercado of... now. When, when like Ed, Eddie Mercado, when someone gets kneed in the face, he need, he needs some cold towels. He gets so excited. So yeah, anyway. well, people are talking about a Jones fight as well. So, and I think a Jones fight would be excellent as well. But... Oh my god, then I'm re then I'd like need a vacation. Like that would be yeah insane. Because like after that performance, you're like, well, I don't know. Like I mean. I think Luke Thomas and uh, what's his face, Brian Campbell, were talking about in Morning Combat actually today. And, you know, they essentially said, hey, I mean, it, it, they're down with that fight and everything, but I mean, they are taking a gamble with, with uh, potentially taking a gamble with that fight. You know, Israel, Israel Rasani gets demolished. It's like, does it hurt his brand a bit? Probably. But, uh, you know, he beats Sean Jones and you got yourself a, a huge star. You could say he's the, the all time. Yeah. yeah. So that's hot be, right now. Be absolute bonkers, peanuts, shells all over the floor, crazy. Um, yeah, I would just like fill my entire living room floor with pistachio and peanut shells. And then yeah, I mean, that's how crazy. Yeah, I mean, it could be a, a DC sort of Jones type of rivalry where, you know, there could definitely be some. I don't think it, it'll be as, I don't know, as venomous as a DC Jones uh, sort of rivalry as far as like them actually literally hating each other up to the to the fight before they fought or whatever. But I mean, it has that potential of good marketability and nice trash talk and, you know, the bickering back and forth. I think you and I said, I think we talked about this a year ago on the phone. I think I'm sure you we and did. I had a discussion <laughs> where I said I thought he could get to John's head in a way that DC could not. I don't think John bought into any of the anything that DC said. DC was particularly after the first match matchup there wasn't a lot of resonance in the things that he was saying. And I think Israel really really annoys John a lot more. I I agree, definitely. <laughs> Just, just because of, uh, I don't know, just their different weight divisions and Israel Adesanya is getting a lot of a lot of uh, attention and everything like that. And I don't know. That might have something to do with it. I don't well, know. Then, Nick, I want to pledge from you and our audience right now that if they make that fight, that during and leading up to the fight, you will eat enough peanuts and pistachios to coat your living room floor in front of your TV with shells. I'll tell you this. I just weighed myself today, and I could definitely use all those peanuts and pistachios. To, <laughs> okay. Nick's at to... 140. <laughs> oh, my okay. gosh. I'm not going to tell you my weight, but, boy, I need, uh, after the three days in the flight simulator, sitting on my ass, I need some cardio, um, like, bad. So tomorrow needs to be cardio day. Um, cardio is always good. Yes, cardio is always good, man. Um, yoga was great last night doing animal flow or I got to do more yoga. My new style guys, uh, my, my yoga style, animal yoga, jutsu flow. 
Uh, <laughs> let's let's move on to a fight where we're going to give you the. This will be brief because we're going to give you the exact same analysis, nearly for this second fight as we did for the first fight. So this is uh, the one that I'll let. Let's let uh, let's let Nick introduce uh, Jan Blockowitz because you love to say. Yeah, Blakowicz. The Polish power. No, you love Polish power. Polish power. I know you love that. The Polish uh, power. Yeah, I, lo I love the guy. I really do. I think he's great. He's he's humble. You know, he kind of just does his own thing. He doesn't really care about being in the spotlight, getting Twitter followers, social media. Like he just does his thing. He trains. Um, he's kind of goofy, so I think fans like to sort of um, they it resonates with fans. I think a lot with his kind of goofy personality on his Twitter when he does posts and everything like that. But yeah, I mean, I mean, he he's very comfortable in his own skin, and he you know he's got a great skill set. He's an older guy too, so mm -hmm. it's cool to root for an older fighter that you know is sort of uh, in the top of the division. So well, I'm all about him. I wasn't I sold out on him before, but obviously after this fight, definitely. But yeah, when he knocked out Corey Anderson, I was like, oh shoot! Oh my oh. god! I know that like. Jan's Corey, for real. <laughs> Corey Anderson could have been under the right circumstance. And this is this is the interesting thing. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think Jan Blockowitz is a huge threat to John Jones because John Jones would certainly engage in a clinch game and a takedown game. He know he's not stupid. If I mean he's nothing if not stupid. He knows how dangerous it would be to engage in a range kickboxing match with Jan Blakowicz, particularly with the power in his hands. And he might have lost to Tiago if Tiago didn't hurt his knee because John was happy at range with him. Now that could be because he knew he hurt his knee. We don't know what calculus that he did. Uh, but if you did that with Jan Blakowicz, I don't like your chances. Um, and John would likely take him down. Um, now I forgot the point I was trying to make that I was going to analogize. Uh, but yeah, I think certainly he would, he would get to, he would get to Jan and he would try to take Jan down and that, that, that wouldn't be good for, uh, for Blockowitz and what he's, he's trying to do. Um, yeah, so I, I don't, agree. I don't think he is as dangerous a matchup. Um, and I, I don't remember who I was thinking of at, at light heavy that I think would be, uh, an interesting matchup for Jones. But in any case, let's look at Dominic Reyes and we're going to give you, the exact same analysis. This is what's most important about this fight. Dominic Reyes was getting kicked in the ribs. Everybody who watched this fight saw the big red. I mean, it looked like. Oh, it was bad. It, it's, it like was, a, it's like a bad paint job on a car or something. Just script. Dude, <laughs> like, it looked like it broke the skin. That's the color yeah. red. was like Oof. he had road rash from his motorcycle. Yeah, it, it was it was gnarly. It was gnarly. And, and tell me what. Dominic did to shift the paradigm in that fight. I mean, I don't know. He, I guess he tried to press forward a little bit after getting hit like that, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think it was the power, the Polish power, man. He oh, felt that power, <laughs> the Polish power, baby. I, I knew that was coming back, man. The Polish power. Everybody's saying that, man. There's gonna be T-shirts. I'll, I'll tell you this though, like in the beginning of that fight, you could see. At least in my, I mean, I think in my eyes, you could see the speed and fluid differential between the two. Like, yeah. I mean, Blakovich is a lot slower, much more confident. I, 
Yeah, but he was his, his strikes were way more slower than Reyes. Reyes was more fluid and everything faster. So I'm like, oh man, Reyes is probably gonna start picking him apart and start to you know put it on Jan and probably get do some damage. And then yeah, those body kicks started to land, and you saw that mark on you know on his side of of Reyes. And I don't know. I think once he felt, yeah, the hands and the kicks, he 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 was hesitant to press forward. And, and then it and, was but, just too late. But what's the answer to that? What can you do in an MMA fight that you can't do in a kickboxing fight? I mean, yeah, yeah. You're a big fan of the, the clinch. and It's, and it's not that I'm a big fan of it. What If I'm Adesanya, I don't want to clinch. And if I'm yeah. Blockowitz, I don't necessarily want to clinch, right? Yeah. But if I'm being outstruck by somebody, that is something we have to think about. You have to think I need to clinch this person. This person operates in space and I did a strategy for somebody. I'm not going to say who the fighter was, but I did a strategy for a fighter like last year. Um, and I was like, man, you really need to clinch this guy. You don't want to be with this guy in space, uh, in space. This guy's really good. He gets very creative. You really need to turn into a clinch fighter for this particular fight because you're both mostly a hands fighter, and this individual you're fighting is a hands and feet fighter. He can set you up, and sure enough, he got knocked out in like a round. So yeah, see, I, I, th- I just like to your credit, I think he just didn't have a plan B. I thought like the the roles were kind of reversed in this fight and how it played out. He, Reyes probably thought, hey, I'm gonna be the guy who's gonna, you know, land my strikes, get out of the way. And he was the quicker fighter and faster. He had the faster hands and everything. So he had those advantages. It's just, I think he felt that power then, you know, clinching, uh, closing distance, trying to go for takedowns was, didn't really obviously register in his head because the game plan was not to do that. You know, I mean, prior to seeing this fight, you would think, oh, you know, Blockovich would be the guy clinching and going for takedowns to try to, uh, mitigate the the speed and the the hands and the the, the quickness of his hands of Reyes, but it was kind of it's the not opposite. O- and it's not only about quickness. I mean, Jan Blockowitz. I mean, striking is his skill. Here in 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 Dominic, we're talking about a converted football player, um, a guy who's come kind of like Brendan Schaub that's come over from fighting. You can remember, don't you remember Joe Rogan talking about? When I look at you, Brandon, and when I look at, uh, or Brendan rather, and I look at, I think it was the Travis Brown fight, right? Yeah. When he got back mounted and all that and flattened out. And yeah. Whatever, Travis Brown was beating oh, him. Oh, yeah. He beat, destroyed him. him. Yeah. So he goes, I don't see, he, he was talking about, I don't, when I look at a Cain Velasquez, he was naming off different fighters or even a Travis Brown. I don't see that in you, that which I see in those guys. I don't see a natural fluid and that's what i saw i see a very natural striker in jan blockowitz and and with and i'm not saying dominic is supposed to go out there and just clinch the entire fight i mean you can't do that uh and to some degree when you talk about that he's slower i mean some of that is drawing a guy in to set a guy up to land a vicious body kick he said he's been landing that kick i heard him today he said uh, i've been landing that kick ever since i've been fighting he goes, that's I think, one. It's yeah. like Krokop, you know? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think Jan was just, he was just the more clever sort of fighter there. That's why he won. I mean, obviously his power, I mean, a lot of guys, you know, at 205 had power in his hands. 
and, and feet or whatever. But yeah, I mean, but like just seeing them both throw in the beginning of the rounds, I mean, it, the speed advantage was definitely on Ray's side. Like, I mean, it, it was very apparent. And, I, you know, and what did that get him? Than... What did that get him? Be, if Let's say he was riding these faster. What did that get him? I mean, nothing because nothing. he couldn't implement it. You That's know, it. he just couldn't use it. Or, it. A variety yeah. of strikes. It's setting somebody up. It's fainting. It's kind of all these things you talk like they talk about the Eugene Behrman fighters. They're just doing a lot of fainting. Yeah, the faints. Who, whoever faints more wins the exchange. Is yeah, it's a lot of these kind of sorts of things. Okay, guys, to. we're not. I mean, I've never fought in MMA. I mean, we're not uh, that kind of. We don't have that measure of expertise. But I can say after watching a lot of fights that the guys and gals that are successful are the ones who employ the greatest array of tools and that they tailor what they're going to do to the opponent. That's the key thing. Uh, now, obviously, if somebody's fighting Khabib, you know, and, and, and when we talk about Khabib or we talk about potentially this other guy who we're really putting, Kazmat uh, Chimaev or 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 guys that can just put you on the floor like Randy could at one point or Sean Shirk could at one point or, you know, name anybody chael at one point right we could go on and on down the line of great wrestlers that have been in the ufc when those guys can implement their game you really only have one thing to go to and and that's for the most part it's like jujitsu and being able to turn the tables or threaten those guys and we're going to talk about it in the next fight with brandon royval but in the absence of those situations if someone's a better a better clinch fighter, I'm circling to the middle of the cage. And I want to draw that person every time I want to underhook, I want to turn, I want to watch for an elbow over the top, make sure my head is on the is on the overhook side, that kind of thing, right? And then I want to uh, or no, excuse me, if I'm on the the underhook side, I want to have his head between my head and his uh, or his head between mine and his elbow. Because when we break, the first thing that's going to come across is boom, right? So yeah. So when you have that situation, if I'm a, a, a range kickboxer, I want to keep circling back to the center. If I'm in there with a guy who the realistically the way that – and I'm not saying that Jan Blockwitz hasn't had submission finishes because he has. But realistically, the way he's going to beat you is on the feet. I, I need to start thinking about – Grappling, wrestling, and all the things that Dominic Reyes told us he could do when he fought John Jones, right? He said, I'm a complete fighter. I wrestled in high school. I throw a leg kick. Remember, he said all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, because he didn't know where the fight was going to go. He didn't know if Jones was going to try to take him down, struggle with him. And, you know, he was ready for I mean, that's essentially him saying to everyone, hey, I'm ready for anything. Ground, on the feet. Regardless, I could tell you everything. something he wasn't ready for in this fight. What was that? He wasn't ready to kickbox with Jan Blachowicz, so he should have been thinking about Plan B. And, and he, also, that's the thing; he didn't and, have a Plan B when he got hit with that Polish power. Ah! <laughs> oh, also, address having brothers in the corner, Nick, real quick, and then we're gonna move on. I mean, I, I don't know uh, if he started his career out with, with his brothers in his corner and then went to Joe Stevenson and his Academy. And then maybe, Did you he know, break from those guys, he's from not Joe Stevenson. I don't think he's with them anymore. 
and his and maybe maybe he's still training at Joe Stevenson's academy, but then just had his brothers in his corner. But I mean, yeah, it seemed like it was a little bit of a camp change, or he just kind of went with his brothers, and then they kind of built a camp around him. I don't I don't know the details on that, but I don't think Joe Stevenson is his coach anymore. I don't think he's at his academy anymore. But I, who knows? I could be wrong. I mean, I. I, I... I mean, unless your brothers are fighters. Oh, his brother, his one, his older brother used to be a UFC fighter. So I mean, they have experience. At least that oh, guy has man. experience. So yeah, okay. I mean, I don't know coaching experience. I have. I mean, you when know, you're a know. number, I mean, the guy's like number two overall in the world. You need to be with like a good camp. And I don't know who that is anymore. I mean, we used to have. We used to tell everybody you need to go to Jackson's. You need to go to AKA. You need to go to ATT. Now there's, you know, there's uh, Fortis MMA down yep. there in right Texas, right, where uh, Derek Lewis and company trains. There's team, the Elevation guys. There's uh, uh, the Justin Gaethje. Now apparently Kamara Usman must be there full time. I mean, Trevor, now. yeah, Trevor Whitman, but, I mean, he's, he's very selective yeah, in Whitman, who he trains. Yeah. Uh, so, and, but. Uh, Curtis Blades, or his, his a different squad, but same city, right? Curtis yeah, and Blades, you have, Ream. And then Longo and all those guys in New York. Yeah, well, so, but, but you got to find somebody. Yeah, Mark Henry, and sometimes Mark Henry and Longo share fighters with, yep. you know, they shared Caitlin Chikagi, and I think she's exclusively with Mark Henry now, but, you know, plenty of good training there. Plenty yeah. of good training at, at places, but you got to go and get with somebody that's going to look at your game. They're going to tell you the truth. I would not want my brothers in the cage. If I was in there and I'm the number two, uh, number two ranked guy, you know, I mean, that was my shot to be a champion. So I, I don't know, man. That's that's just my thought. We got to move on, though, Nick. Um, uh, so Ketlin Vieira, Sajara Eubanks. I don't really have anything significant to say. It was very, very close. Uh, they say it was a de- unanimous decision. I thought it was very, very close. And Sajara Eubanks never got off. Never shot a takedown. Vieira shot a few takedowns, but. The girl who I thought would challenge Amanda Nunes, uh, her confidence wasn't really there. Uh, the way, it, at least in this fight, the way that it was before she got knocked out. Yeah, I mean, Eubanks, I think, is a, a tough a tough out for a lot of people, too. So, I mean, you have to give credit to Eubanks for just making it a competitive fight. And granted, a lot of, I mean, Jimmy Smith said that she had, you know, the crisper hands, which I feel like she did, but she just couldn't. Couldn't really get going because of the, the clinching and the takedowns and everything like that. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It was a tough fight. But, uh, yeah, Vera, I thought, maybe edged it out a little bit and everything okay. like that. Cause I think she did get a couple – she did, she got yeah, a couple takedowns and, and everything like down, that. She didn't hold her down, I don't think. But, yeah, she did. She did a little bit. I did think she? the first round she got a takedown and solidified it. And then I think she at least won two out of the three rounds. And maybe, you know, one of them might have been a toss-up. But, I mean, it was competitive, though. But, yeah, I think uh, – Eubanks maybe just doesn't carry the same power that she did at uh, what was it one fifteen, yeah, going up to what was it one thirty five, right? Oh, uh, actually, family? she was one twenty five. She was one. That she was one twenty five. That's right. Actually, the That's winner right. of the show was supposed to fight Valentina, I believe. Yeah, and then yeah. she she uh, she got in, she got sick or something, something or her yeah. bad weight cut or something. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Very, I think very one dimensional. Very, she would. She would not look good against Valentina Shevchenko in that in that realm, and and I I hate because uh, 
Valentina Shevchenko, Nick, is it fair to say she's become a metaphor for MMA well-roundedness right now? Yeah, for I sure. I mean, people. To, I mean, when when you hear analysts on MMA fighting her bloody elbow and they mention the name Valentina Shevchenko, it's just like they don't see anybody that could even challenge her. So that's how well-rounded she is with judo. Uh, with her wrestling, you could see how she, she took down Joanna a number of times. Her her top game, nobody has held her down very successfully. Her kicking, her, top her game punching. Is brutal. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's no... I mean, she can throw karate-style kicks and Muay Thai and Taekwondo-style um, kicks, and she can throw, uh, obviously, Muay Thai. I mean, she loves Thailand. I mean, so she is... Okay, and the point of me mentioning all that is for someone like Sajari Eubanks, you really have to think about going in there and rounding out your attack if you want to even have a chance to be successful against someone like Shevchenko. Agreed. I mean, she's with a good camp as far as Sajari Eubanks. I mean, she's with Mark Henry. So, I mean, I don't know if Mark Henry's a predominantly, like, boxing type of uh, repertoire as far as what he teaches his... Um, fighters, but I mean, like Zabit is, is, uh, you know, Mark Henry trained and Zabit throws a variety of things. Oh so I don't know if, they, yeah. I don't know if they just take what, you know, like, all right, Sajar Newbanks has some solid boxing. Let's just, you know, let's just branch off that and like, you know, hone in on that, maybe polish it up and not incorporate more kicks. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know either. I don't, I don't know how I, that, how that works. I so. just, I just know to get to the top. Well, now she's in an. She, I mean, maybe she's at 135 now, and she doesn't even have to worry about that. But I don't think Amanda is going to be any easier because Amanda has turned into a phenomenon the likes of which we cannot explain. Uh, yeah. Amanda, okay. somehow, without the use of performance-enhancing drugs, is able to take out Chris Cyborg in basically one punch um, and, and has just absolutely starched some of her opponents like Holly Holm. I mean, girls that... I don't think Holly Holm has ever been knocked out in the UFC until Amanda Nunes. Yeah, until Amanda. I think you're right. I don't think she's ever yeah. been knocked out. So I See, mean, I'm, yeah. I'm coming up with good stuff. You guys can call me Ariel tonight. <laughs> um, Hakeem uh, Dawadu against uh, Zubaira Tukugov. Um, I thought that was a really good fight. Um, I liked it. Yeah, it was very enjoyable. I thought Tukugov was really, really competitive. And then I think everybody said ad nauseum in the third round. They were kind of edging. Come on, come on, come on. Put it on this guy. But I think Daladu's confidence kind of built. And when the takedowns weren't a threat anymore, he really started to just stalk. Uh, oh, yeah. Tukugov, right? Yeah, he, his uh, takedown defense was, was quite good and everything. Yeah. And I think once he, once he stuffed a bunch of those takedowns, I think in the second, and then yeah, uh, I forgot what's his face. Well, he got up. He got kinda... taken down, but he, he was able to – Walk, yeah, he was getting and, up, but yeah. then he then he like just started stuffing them. You know, he was yeah. framing and everything like that. Sprawling. He was getting out of the way, sprawling. But the frame essentially is the first kind of lot of defense when it comes to that stuff as well. So he had some nice frames as well. And yeah, I mean, I think it just built his confidence. And then you know, three in round three, he he was just like he, he almost like a Max Holloway, just like let's go, like just egging him on, you know, and everything like that. But I don't know. He did he win that? I I, I didn't see the the decision. And, right? and speaking did, speaking who of won guys, that fight? Uh, the Dawadu uh, won Dawadu. that. Oh no, I'm okay. sorry. It was a, yeah, it was a split decision. Dawadu. So, yeah, yeah, and Zubairov rightfully, was rightfully so. Yeah, and he also he missed weight by 
five pounds. They said that he stopped cutting weight uh, two hours before the end of the weigh-in, and that's what, if you guys heard Izzy uh, imploring Dana that, yeah. hey, this is bullshit, it should be 90% of your uh, purse goes to the opponent, is because Dowadu had to fight a guy who didn't even try to cut for the last two hours, and that's kind of ridiculous. Well, so, how do you feel about the 90%? Do you agree with that? Um, I don't know thing? if I agree with that. Uh, but maybe, I don't uh, know, another... maybe, maybe split the difference, maybe make it 60% or something. Yeah, well, how about this? A lot of, Mo Roxanne Montefiore mentioned this a while ago, and she wrote an article on Bloody Elbow addressing, like, the weight-cutting issue and people missing weight, and she said that, and then the other, I think, organizations have done this rule as well, and basically saying like, hey, if you miss, you know, weight at a certain amount, like more than two mm -hmm. pounds or whatever. Oh, it steps um, up? Yeah, maybe, you know, well, like, say you miss weight by one pound, okay, or whatever, but I think uh, Jungle Fight and Shuto, now, if you miss weight by, like, more than two pounds, the first, like, you, you, the first round is, you have a point deducted. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, now I remember that, okay. Yeah, and Roxanne Montefiore kind of mentioned that same thing, it's like, hey, you know what, you miss weight, okay, fine, guess what, first round, the max, the, the best you could do is a nine, you know, Nine ten. Nine nine ten round. So I think that's a good rule. I think that's well that's actually fair. that's not true. You could be it could be a nine eight round if you're absolutely dominant in that first round. So that could be But I'm just saying I'm just saying the yeah. person that misses weight, yeah, they can't have a ten ten round if they like just demo you know. I like it. But I think the first thing I think uh there also should be a financial burden that may uh well right now what is it, twenty percent? It's something? thirty, I think. It's thirty. Is it thirty? Yeah, it maybe yeah, they should 30. double that to sixty or something. So I really—I mean, I, these guys really don't get paid a lot. So I don't know. Sixty seems kind of harsh, well, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Israel said it, and uh, he said ninety. I was splitting the difference. I mean, <laughs> so, you know, that's fair. I mean, maybe uh, four. I don't know, forty, and then you know, it's a nine ten round. I think the nine. I like the don't miss weight. Man. Don't, yeah, don't I like miss the weight. point deduction. This is, this is your job, and I, I would hate it if I were them, but don't miss weight. Yeah. So, uh, and then what, what it would prevent what, what Zubaira did, you know, is because he's like, oh, cool. I'll, I'll just take the penalty, and I'm done cutting. And that's yeah. bullshit, you know, because he should yeah. have been in the sauna for two hours suffering. And that's what that's what uh, Israel's pissed about. And yeah. we need that in, in Israel, we need more fighters that are of consequence that are the UFC actually listens to and cares about. We need guys like that to start uh, putting the heat on uh, people like, uh, and, and, and start actually advocating for fighters that have no voice because Dowdu doesn't have any voice. I guarantee you he doesn't have Dana's number in his cell phone. Um, yeah. But, and the thing is like, you know, I granted weight people that miss weight. It doesn't happen all the time. It happens once in a while, but like, it's not fair to those fighters that lose against a heavier opponent. Like, you know, if, if it not. happens, it happens once in a while, but just because it doesn't happen all the time, doesn't mean that okay. doesn't, doesn't, okay. you know, uh, affect the, the weight of the issue. Is my uh, no pun intended. Point. If, the, uh, <laughs> if Tukagov spent the next two hours in the sun and suffered, what are the chances that Dowdu gets a knockout? I mean, that's a real possibility. Yeah, definitely Tukukov a possibility. came out with a lot of energy, throwing hard punches, 
hey, let's see you do that after you spend the next two hours in the sauna. Yeah. So I something has to be done. I mean, because that's not right. If you're not cutting all the way up until the close of the weigh-in, then something's wrong. And they should take more money or take a point or take two points or do whatever they whatever whatever that's going to be. I'm not here to decide that, but I do like where Roxanne's going, and I like the direction that Adesanya's headed. Uh, Brad Riddell, the uh, kickboxer guy from uh, New Zealand, going up against City Alex. Kickboxing. City Kickboxing. What's up, Holmes? Going yep. up against Alex. I mean, Israel Adesanya's, yeah. Uh, Alex. Yeah, go ahead. Da Silva Coelho, um, really, you know, good fight early on, but um, not enough of being able to dominate on the ground. So you saw where uh, Da Silva, there was a point where he reached where he had reached the full length or full extent of his kickboxing skill and wasn't able to get the takedown. And, and conversely, Riddell was just starting to get warmed up. And uh, that wasn't that wasn't a good thing for him. That was a very tough situation. Uh, but uh, I liked what he was doing early on. But he would have had to get him down, hold him down, and really just be able to get a takedown in every round. Otherwise, you're in trouble against a guy like Riddell. Man, you saw the legs on that guy were scary. Yeah, I didn't watch the fight, his fight, but uh, yeah, I mean his his kickboxing credentials from what I hear are, are top notch. And I think he also trains at um. Tiger Muay Thai as well. He oh, might, be, might even be a coach over there. So oh, this guy's a beast. Scary. He's man. a beast. Scary. Now that's a guy <laughs> right there who's got shins are conditioned to check leg kicks. Uh, his he's uh, conditioned to deliver a leg kick and be checked and not have to bail. And for guys and gals out there, you got to do that work with the tie, like the ties do with the two boards. And, and toughening up those shins, man. Otherwise, it's going to be a very difficult situation for you if you get checked really hard. And I think somebody, it might have been Coach Luttrell pointed out, I think it, I don't know if this was Diaz McGregor or if it was Diaz Masvidal, when um, Nate actually did execute a really good check and then I think Masvidal quit kicking <laughs> or it might have been uh, the McGregor fight. McGregor got checked really good and, and he stopped kicking so um there's two components to that to that shin and i guarantee you brad riddell you could check him i guarantee you he's still gonna kick so anyway <laughs> like like uh edson barbosa moving right along um i am disgusted with the ufc that they do things like putting together jake matthews and diego sanchez we i don't like this quote, putting over bullshit. We discussed this on the phone the other day. There is no putting over. There's nobody that put George St. Pierre over. We don't need Diego Sanchez to, quote, put over Jake Matthews, okay? George St. Pierre, nobody put him over. He beat Matt Hughes in his prime when he was the champion. It's just that uh, GSP was a more evolved, developed fighter he lost, and he came back, and he smoked and finished Matt Hughes, okay? And then he started beating a steady stream of top contenders who were not legends, okay? Josh Koscheck was not a legend when he fought, uh, uh, when he fought George St. Pierre. John Fitch was not, a, was not a legend. Dan Hardy was not a legend. Help me out here, brother. Yeah, 
Tiago. Uh, Tiago Alves was not a legend. They're Dan just, Hardy. Dan Hardy. They're just really they're good to great fighters. That's how you build a champion and you build a legend. You don't have to take a guy who's given his entire latter half of his adult life to the UFC and get him smoked like trying to put Damian Maya against this world beater in uh, Kamzat Shemaev. I hope he gives them two double birds and says, F you. I hope Alex Davis, I think, is Damian's manager. I hope he says, F you. No, we're not going to take that fight. We asked for Diego Sanchez. Now you have Diego Sanchez fighting in nobody, and you want to build this other guy off me. Not going to happen. I hope it doesn't. I don't know if, if they'll cave or not. Yeah, I don't know. I Hopefully it doesn't either. I mean, yeah, like uh, Diego Sanchez and Maya fight is a great fight for both the fighters. But yeah, just feeding these legends that help build your brand as an organization to these young up-and-coming fighters. Uh, granted, Jake Matthews has been in the UFC for a bit, but, you know, he's still he's still kind of, you know, the, Jake Matthews is his prime right now. But he's nobody. Yeah, I mean, if you Jake Matthews was going to be a star, it would already happen. But I mean, yeah, he's a solid fighter. I like the kid. He's yeah. got a, a good, good skill set. I'm sure he's a nice guy and everything like that. But yeah, I mean, just to feed, I mean, just to have that matchup with Diego, Sanchez, I don't know, it just didn't make any sense. Like, I mean, the I get the Michael Chiesa matchup with Diego Sanchez. You know, Michael Chiesa is kind of building up the name and everything like that. Sure, I get that. But yeah, Old I mean. Grapplers. Both grapplers, you know, it would have been a fun fight. And, I mean, yeah, it was somewhat of a fun fight. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Shamayev against Maya, it's just like, oh, there's so many young up-and-coming yes. fighters that would just would be great for uh, Shamayev to, to, to fight yes. instead of uh, Maya. Let's so, watch three rounds or even five rounds of a of a, of a uh, an ESPN, you know, only TV event where Damian Maya and 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 uh, Diego Sanchez go five rounds or something. Let's watch five rounds of those guys grapple, you know. And if Diego gets choked out, he gets choked out. Or if Damian, you know, if if something happens, something happens. But at least it's happening against another legend who's basically got a couple fights left in their career. This is ridiculous. And then what was what was Maya's last fight? I think wasn't it against Burns? They're, they're feeding him against burnt. Like, yeah, he got so they're giving him burns. Yeah. <laughs> Screw you, man. And then they're going to give him Shamayoff. I mean, geez. You guys are UFC. You guys are doing it the wrong way. You're shitting on your stars again in the fourth, 14th different way that you shit on stars. You've figured, an, and if it's not one thing, if it's not pay, or if it's not, um, you know, saying, oh, uh, yeah, um, we canceled the card, but we'll get you a fight soon, even though you made weight, you know, all that kind of stuff. If it's not one thing or it's another, they just find creative ways to screw people over. And that's what they're doing to Damian Maya now because he doesn't speak perfect English and he's not on Fox and all this kind of crap. He's a foreigner, so fuck him, man. That's the way they look at it. And it's it's just – and I'm sorry to curse because I really don't want to curse on the show, but it's really, it's really bullshit. And, and Diego Sanchez – deserves better he's a damn original tough one champion if he asks for maya damn it give him maya and give maya give him, him maya. and stop playing around and put him on an espn card yeah all right uh i skipped over brandon royval and kai car fronts folks i'm gonna i'm just gonna say this in like 30 seconds 
Brandon Royval was amazing. I did watch a little bit of that fight today because I missed it fight night. Um, the guy, I don't know what his takedown game looks like, but his kicking game looks really cool. He looks something like like uh, uh, the guy from uh, Jackson. What's his name? Uh, Groovy something. The guy who oh, fought, Lando. Yeah, Lando. Lando looked, yeah, yeah. Lando, somewhere uh, between yeah, yeah, Tony, yeah. Tony Ferguson. Someone, I yeah. think someone called him like a lighter Lando weight. Lando Vanna, whatever. Yeah. yeah, Lando Vanatta or Tony Ferguson. Vanatta, yeah. Type fighter uh, with great jiu-jitsu, great transitions. And he is going to absolutely be scary on the ground. He actually could have finished uh, the position that he had Carl Franson. He could have finished him with ground and pound. If he wanted to, his face was right there to elbow him. He decided to make it a grappling affair, and that was fine. Uh, very, very scary guy. Kaikara Franz, uh, uh, primarily a kickboxer, and uh, it, it's no real shame on him when you get on the ground with a guy that's at this level because he's just going to go from – you've been on the mat with those guys. They go from one submission to another submission to another submission. I think it was just like the pace that Roy Ball had was just insane. It was like – I mean, you could tell a like, Kai France had, you know, the tighter defense, hands up, you know, crisper hands and everything like that. And he, I mean, he, he did drop Roy Val with some nice counters and everything like that. But Roy Val is just, just onslaught of just. Don't follow him to the ground, thinking. man. <laughs> oh, I'm talking about the feet on the feet. Yeah. He just had this onslaught of just strikes and. Okay. And spinning stuff and all this crazy. I mean, it was just overwhelming, I think, for Kai France to deal with. Well, I don't know. And then know. when it hits the ground, yeah, I mean, Kai France, he knew. Well, I don't know if you saw the whole fight, but like first round, I mean, he, they went to the ground and Kai France is like, uh uh. He almost got caught in uh, Omoplata. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, mm -mm. he got out of it or whatever. And I think the uh, Rayval tried to transition an armbar or something. He went, you from, know, you he could went transition from a lot. Ogoplata to oh, he did too. Yeah, Plata to yep. it was to insane. potential armbar, maybe yeah. a triangle, but uh, I mean, yeah, all those are you know uh, good transitions from all those types of submissions. But uh, yeah, he knew like Kai France first round. He's like, no, nah, I don't want any anything to do with this. That's on the ground. The first round, second round though, I don't know if you saw the second rounds. No, I do. No, here's here's what went down in the second rounds. So, you know, they go at it on the feet and everything. They're landing, yada yada yada. But Kai France goes for a takedown. I don't know why, but he just goes for a takedown. Guess what happens? Freaking guillotine. Boom. All she wrote. It's like you're trying to avoid the ground. You're trying to avoid the ground with this guy all throughout the first round. So, you know, in my head, I'm like, all right, Kai France knows that no i don't want to be here i don't want to go to the ground this guy and i don't know if it was just like a mental lapse that he had in the second or maybe he thought maybe if he could get on top and land some ground and pound he could do it but he just shot in for a takedown i'm why, like oh why would you even like, why did you try with someone at that level yeah you keep it on the so the yeah. theme okay and we, we we're 54 minutes in so we got to get to some news and notes so we got to get out of this fight card and get into something else yeah, but, just saying the fight but IQ. Just, but just, yeah, fight I, decision making from beginning to end, from the I shouldn't say from beginning to end, but certainly in these very the specific second round. fights, the yeah. fight of the night, the the uh, main event, the co-main. I mean, this is what we see is is people making very very poor decisions, which end up leading to them ultimately losing the fight. But so it just reminded me of uh, Cain Velasquez shooting in on uh, Fabricio Verdum. It was just like and, that. And to be honest and with you, boom. 
you know, this is you're going to make a very smooth transition for me. So I'm going to thank you in advance. <laughs> you know, when we and we're going to break this down in detail, especially when we get Willoughby Wu on. But with with um, just dust, excuse me, Justin Gaethje going up against uh, Habib Nurmagomedov, the specter of this and the size and scope of this fight. And you heard him interview this week. He was talking all about his wrestling credentials again. Is if he is able to go out and sprawl a little bit and brawl, because that's what we're talking about, and use his hands and kick Khabib in the leg and maybe take him down a couple times with with calf kicks as he does, things like this. This is going to be like uh, Fabricio Verdum shocking the world and beating the unbeatable. Yeah. The guy, I, I don't want you to overreact though. now, Nick. <laughs> well, I mean, unbelievable yeah, I mean, cardio in Mexico City at home, and Fabricio yeah. went down oh, there okay. and housed him. Yeah, I mean, nobody yeah, thought yeah. he was going to win that. No, I mean, yeah, yeah, no. He shocked the world. He's never he been did. beaten. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I uh, was thinking. Uh, I was thinking um, when you said shock the world, uh, the the Fedor. Fedor fight, no, because Fedor, because that was a quick like boom. Yeah, but no, not like because an armbar Fedor was not. Back. He did not beat the Pride Fedor. If you didn't fight Fedor and Pride, you didn't see the best Fedor. That but that was, was so. Fedor's first loss, and people were like, "Oh, the first, dang. yeah, first loss in a long time." I think he had a DQ. Oh yeah, he had a DQ or, a or something. Or he murked yeah, it, it was he against um, the guy Tioshi Kasaka, I think. Okay. But anyway, yeah, TK as we used to call him in the UFC. Uh, one of your brothers, man. What's up, Holmes? What's up? Japanese, man. <laughs> but, but no, seriously, if Justin Gaethje is able to do this, it will it will send a shockwave that will travel 27,000 miles around the globe and hit every MMA fan in circumference if he's able to do this. That's how huge it is. Personally, I don't – unless, you know, something happens over the next couple of weeks – or actually, what are we – yeah, we're a couple of weeks away. It's going to be, is it the 17th? I'll check now. October? Okay. Yeah, it's Rocktober for sure. Oh, by the way, on this show, we don't say October. We only Why say Rocktober. Rocktober? That's right, because you are a rock and roll legend. We got to schedule Hank Edney to come on so that you guys oh, yeah, can talk yeah. rock and roll. I like to talk to that guy. Has to, has to hop on. Uh, all right, so yeah, we're not that close because October... I don't have my glasses on. That's because they're on my head. Oh, October 3rd is Holly Home, so that is this weekend. And then we have Sanhagen versus Marais. And, man, I can already see Marlon Lane and Light fight. Kicks. Yeah, that will be a good good fight. And Sanhagen's then, a great fighter, though, as well. Yeah, we'll see. He didn't look Fights so great long. last time. Well, um, yeah, Nur- but Nur- prior Nur- to that, he was a beast. So Yeah, we'll see. Nurmagomedov versus G. And a card that was going to be absolutely amazing if Dustin Poirier was fighting Tony Ferguson. But apparently now Dustin Poirier is going to, at least he thinks and McGregor thinks, he's going to be fighting a charity event in Ireland. I yeah, say okay. they have 0% chance of that fight coming off. Zero. Yeah, of because, course. Because I mean... the UFC will file an injunction of some sort in the Irish court system or wherever they're holding the fight. I'm assuming it's going to be Ireland and they'll make sure that doesn't happen. Uh, I'll tell you, I'll say it. Well, this is somewhat on topic of that, but I just wanted to get your opinion on it. 
Now the um, I think Conor McGregor kind of leaked some DMs that him and Dana had or whatever to the public, mm-hmm. and like some people are like, oh, that's like the bro code. We're not supposed to like, you know, break that. And other people are like, hey, Dana's been cheating people and sort of lying about people for years. So just who cares? Uh, how do you follow which 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 uh, views do you fall under? Do you have maybe a little bit of both or what? I'll, I'll I mean, be perfectly honest with you. Um, I really don't have enough care to even form an opinion about it, to be perfectly honest with you. I think that there are so many bigger issues going on with the fighters. We just talked about, you know, a scheme with the, with the weight cutting and not trying to cut weight. We're talking about pay. We're talking about yeah, Gates and Ferguson got canceled because they couldn't agree on on how much Dustin was going to get and now Dustin wants to fight Connor in a charity match but Connor also wants to fight Manny Pacquiao in boxing he also so, wanted to fight Diego Sanchez uh, yeah and Connor wanted to fight I mean that it was weird. I wouldn't even invest any brain power that's that is so ridiculous I can't even I I don't even think I could imagine how ridiculous that would be with Connor's skill set he would school. I mean, we just saw Donald Cerrone go three rounds with a an extremely dangerous Nico Price, and yeah. yet uh, Conor McGregor houses him with shoulder strikes in one round. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it seemed like uh, I guess Conor after the Cowboy sort of win, it seemed like okay, if I don't get a Khabib fight, then just give me a easy money fight like a Diego San it seemed like all right good win I'm at, you know back in public eyes I look great okay instead of like fighting a Gagey or a Tony or or someone of that ilk or or, or a Masvidal you know yes. he wants to I mean, do that, he wa- that I, yeah I can get hot and bothered instead, about. instead of a high profile very skilled opponent not to you know rag on Diego but then he just wants to fight a guy like Diego just just for a I don't know just from, I guess, the easy sort of money fight, just like a coast kind of fight. It seemed like it's either it's either Khabib or coast fight. That's what I got let out me, of it. And I think me, that's what some people said too. Let me. Can I put this out there, Nick? Yeah. If if they make a McGregor versus Masvidal fight, I'd be willing to Turkish oil wrestle, coated with olive oil. Will woo. Okay. <laughs> Where the two of us are wearing a Japanese sumo diaper. Uh, and just coated with olive oil. <laughs> I think uh, not a whole lot of people would be into that. But you know. I don't think a lot of people would be into that. <laughs> I don't even think his kids would watch. So yeah. anyway, I don't think my dog would watch. Athena, I don't think, would watch. She'd probably be <laughs> licking off the olive oil. Anyway, um, but there's so many issues now. And I, we hadn't even gotten to that um, – Ariel Helwani put out a story. Uh, Ariel Helwani, he of ESPN, put out a story that um, Jorge Masvidal is going to do some sort of a mini bus tour with Donald Trump Jr., hashtag anti-socialist. So in response, just to, to finish your last question, when we're talking about a pillow fight, between Dana and Connor, I honestly really couldn't care less to, to form an opinion. And that's not an <laughs> affront to your question. 
I'm oh, just, that's fair. I'm yeah, grading yeah. on a curve of all the things that are going on. And, and yeah, out of all of the things, that was definitely the bottom of the barrel as far as importance and how it, it affects everybody. Yeah. Yes. This is this is really big because not only and and I sent I I, I referenced Mike Heck today in a tweet where um, I guess uh, Colby I didn't watch the debates last night. I don't need the kind of negativity in my life to watch a debate between Joe Biden and Donald Trump, um, President Trump. So let me make sure I at least afford that respect. But um, apparently Colby was front and center for that debate. And I tweeted to Mike Heck Jr. something that I said to you and Will a couple of weeks ago. You still think this is an act? Huh? You think that's an act when he's showing up at a debate? I mean, this is not an MMA event now. This is not. Yeah, I mean, his act is based on what he truly believes in. It's just to me, it's just it's not an exaggerated. Act. It's, just, it's yeah, it's an amplified it's an exaggeration of what his views of, are, of what he is. And that's that's fine. He is 100 percent. So I want to be clear. I'm a New Yorker. I'm from Peekskill, New York, right? 36 miles north of New York City. We don't like bullshit where I come from. We don't like being BS. Don't piss on my leg and go, hey, it's raining outside. Okay? That is totally fine and totally cool if if Colby wants to be a supporter of Donald Trump and be part of the right uh, the conservative uh, movement. Whatever. I don't even think it's called a conservative movement. But if he wants to be part of the Trump Republican movement, that's great. And I, you know, that's his right. Okay? Cool. Now, saying racist things and uh, uh, anti-immigrant comments and things like that, now that's a whole nother story. And tertiary point to this is that people saying that it's an act, and I've been saying for how many oh, months God. now, yeah. this is not an act. It's not. And if you're saying it's an act, my question to you is going to be, how do you know it's an act? Joe Rogan. <laughs> Awesome, awesome MMA analyst Mike Heck, who I really like and respect a lot. How do you know it's an act? That's that's my question. So, and that's it's an open-ended question. I'm not asking you that, but yeah, yeah. So, to I think it's just the the actor and the actor is it's getting blended, you know, and you don't know what's the actor, what's really, but like to say something like that to Kamar Usman, that's not an act. Yeah. That's not an that's act. That's not an act, man. No. That's how you you would that not guy say is, that. That's that's how he really feels towards, you know, people of color, black right. people. That, that's yeah, how he feels. The, yeah. Thank you, thank you, Nick. I see the passion. I see you. I see you, Holmes. Um, I mean, yeah. I just and now was, Jorge Masvidal yeah. jumping on the train, and I tweeted to Jorge something the other day. I actually I don't even want to say what I tweeted uh, to him, but. Um, it's a further, you know, and I have to look at it. If 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 it, if it were somebody like Obama and he was using Tyron Woodley or Dan Cormier or Fighter X that was a person of color, Angela Hill, you know, would he, if he were using them, would I feel the same way? I've, and it, it's really difficult. I think if he were soliciting them, that would be something I'd be uncomfortable with. And so I'm uncomfortable with it on the other side. These fighters are, 
not used to being courted by big time people. They're not celebrities like LeBron James or Tom Brady or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. They're not yeah. on that level uh, yet. Um, and so I don't, I'm not that comfortable. I'm not happy with the fact that MMA was something that we could escape. When I went to a bar and watched MMA and engaged with fans, I used to go, even in Ohio, I used to go and do do interviews at the table with fans. Oh, and, that's cool. Yeah, I used to go up to tables and go, hey, I'm from this podcast, I want to do it. And I'd interview people right there, watching the fights and get a reaction. Politics was never a part of it. And now politics has invaded our sport. Fighters are taking sides. And I hate, I absolutely hate it. Yeah, I think it's just the, the political context that we live in now. I mean, everything's, I mean, right now we're a very divided country because of what's going on right now. So, I mean, it, it it's, I guess it's, you could say it's kind of natural that it's kind of blending or kind of seeping into other forms of our sort of um, interests and everything like that. So, yeah, MMA, you know, even you know nfl you know basketball whatnot you know all these sorts of uh major events that are happening right now are definitely leaking into you know our forms of entertainment regardless if we like it or not and you know if you have the head of uh the president of ufc and dana white going to republican national convention and then having the entourage of ufc fighters i mean at, at the trump rally it's like yeah i mean it is what it is so the most overused phrase in the American lexicon, it is what it is. Uh, but sometimes it's apropos. So because <laughs> you're right. Actually, it was apropos in the context that you just used it. That's right. It is what it is because you and I, we don't want this to be a political podcast. Uh, we don't want to bring politics into our podcast. I am simply stating, and I, I think I share your view. I don't speak for Nick, so he can he can react to this, but I don't want politics invading MMA where now we're going to start. I didn't even know most of the fighters, what their political affiliation was until probably like Pat Militich several years ago. But other than that, like my favorite fighters that were active in the UFC, I didn't know. Diego Sanchez's affiliation or George Masvidal when he was taking on Gilbert Melendez uh, or Jake Shields or any of them or John Fitch or, or, or even Tyron Woodley, you know, or, or Jared Cannonier. So, I mean, now, you know, and, and I really don't want to know. I just want to know that we both share this love of this thing that these absolute sub one percenters can do of fighting in a cage in front of about tens of thousands of people and millions of people on television. I mean, I get where you're coming from. It's like you, you know, you almost view MMA as just like, you know, nice pure thing that we could all sort of uh, escape to and talk, come together. And there, you know, like eight years ago, I had that nice uh, unity type atmosphere with, depending, other you know, regardless MMA of fans. Culture, 
other MMA fans, but just culturally, it kind of brought a lot of cultures together because, you know, I, I remember going, watching an event and there's a bunch of, they might have been Japanese potentially, but, you know, uh, a handful of uh, Asian uh, dudes were at a table and, you know, you could tell, you know, English was not their first language, but they understood, you know, you understand, you know, fighting regardless of if we could communicate, you know, through language or not, you know, 100%. But, yeah, that was nice, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's inevitable, though. I think uh, I mean, you look at any other major sports and everything like that. Right. I mean, there's politics gets gets seeped into it, uh, regardless. So I mean, I think it's just bound to happen, and especially now, everything's just so polarized with it that I mean, it was just it was bound to happen. So I mean, right. I myself can separate the artist from whatever. You know, it's I, I could still, you know, I'm still a fan of uh, Masvidal, regardless of if I agree with him politically. But you know, I mean, there's a certain line. There's a certain line that, you know, that 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 is definitely still there. You know, if, if George Masvidal starts spar, spar, you know, spouting out, you know, racist comments, or you know, you, you find out he's like a child molester or something, then yeah, then then that line is is crossed, and then I cannot be, then you can't be, I can't be, fa- a fan of him. Well, Colby's crossed that line for you. Colby's crossed that line for sure. I mean, yeah. he's he crossed it a bunch of times and everything right. like that. So, just most yeah. egregiously, last fight. Last fight, it was just like, yeah, the last straw. And I was like, oh my gosh, this guy needs to just go away. Which, granted, he's a great fighter, so he's not going to go he's away. He's an amazing Rough. fighter. He's, yeah, he's an amazing he's an fighter. He's an amazing fighter. Oh my God, Colby's an amazing Unfortunately. fighter. Unfortunately. So, but yeah, it's just. Oh. So. But yeah, yeah and, just... and and what's ironic of you saying all this, Nick, is really your space, which is rock and roll, is really the and as I you know, as I as I go to work and I work with a lot of individuals, a lot of gentlemen who are extremely conservative, and the one area where everybody comes together is your area, rock and roll, Led Zeppelin, you know, all these groups that we grew up loving. They're still that that's still there, uh, regardless of politics. That we can both appreciate that we both love ELO. Or yeah, oh for sure, Rush yeah, yeah, or yeah, whatever you know. Yeah, so. I get where you're coming from. But yeah, it's just I think with athletics on a professional level, I mean politics definitely seeps into there once in a yeah, while. You're right. Right now, it's it's. It's oozing, but you know, I think after the election and everything, like regardless of who wins, it'll tame down. It'll, it'll tame down a bit. I hope so. And everything, but like, I mean, it's just right now. It's just it's intense. You know, Black Lives Matter type mm-hmm. things going on, and everything's just very, very it's intense. Very, so yeah, just you know, people just think that, uh, as <sighs> Joe Rogan said so adroitly the other night on his show, when you consider we have such a limited finite amount of time on the planet as a person as a human you will be born and you will die when you think about how many millions of years old the earth is in in literally just a fraction of a second in terms of history and don't waste it hating another person because of they don't allow cable news to drive you against your neighbors, somebody that you share a property line with, that you share a classroom with, that you share space at work with. Um, Patrick Henry uh, put it 
you, you know, put it in one of his speeches, United We Stand, Divided We Fall. Uh, George Washington, in his farewell speech, as a public servant, as a public figure, referenced the political parties and the danger of them. Don't allow political parties, political figures, whatever side you're on, and I don't care which one, and, and cable news, to be able to form your opinion and further anger you against someone who has a difference of opinion. There are hills to die on, something that you really, really believe in. And then there's really just a lot of chaff in that wheat. So, all right. I think that's a good time to sign off. Nick, do you have anything final before we go, brother? No, I think, uh, yeah. I think I'm good, yeah. Okay, and we'll be back. Uh, the next, the card, uh, the card this uh, coming week, actually we didn't, Go over uh, Holly Holm and, and uh, Irena Aldana, and that's okay. Uh, Carlos Condit is coming back fighting uh, Court McGee. Someone um, tweeted it like, uh, it was funny. I forgot who. It might have been a, a journalist or something. And like, hey, you know, if you haven't watched MMA, if you, if you don't know, if you're not, uh, I forgot what he said. He said, like, if you weren't disappointed that Carlos Condit is fighting this weekend, it's sad because it's like, you know, that basically saying that should be hey, a big you know event. what yeah well basically saying like oh you guys should have watched carlos Conner in his prime he was amazing he's on this card no one's talking about it because granted you know he's just kind of he should you know whatever he, he's past his prime yada 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 but it was just like oh and i had no idea either i, I read that tweet and i, I was did, like what yeah. he's fighting this i mean did you know he's fighting? i, I no heard it i actually did hear it and it was so big i forgot all about it but yeah carlos Condit fighting and i think what you're trying to say, I think what you're trying to say underneath that is that Carlos Condit fighting used to be an event. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was Carlos like, Condit fought Nick Diaz and did huge numbers. Granted, uh, that fight wasn't great, but like, I mean, his his run, oh, man. His run in the UFC, in the WE, I mean, people that knew him in the WC, I mean, he was just like a walking highlight reel. Yeah, this Carlos guy was. Con you could have done Tony man. Ferguson. You could have done any number of different. He was like the cowboy before cowboy started to come into play. Like he um, had style, in so, my opinion. Yeah, they were. Kickboxing yeah, style. He, he, yeah, he had. He yeah. knocked guys out. He had good submissions. Fit, fit in HB Holmes. Yeah, I Mama. mean, his. Carlos Condit, Tim Means, uh, Cody Ox Wheeler. Shout out to Cody Ox Wheeler. You don't even know who he is, <laughs> but he's a WEC guy. Uh, guy I got to interview in Albuquerque and go to his house, but he was a Jackson's OG at one point. Cody never made it to the U. He he basically got out of fighting somewhere around after the UFC uh, merger with um, with the WC with WEC. Okay, and he opened a barber shop, and I think he's probably still cutting hair. But uh, hey, good got, for him. oh, got invited to his house. Uh, got awesome. to meet his family. Yeah, like oh, here's my bedroom. I mean. Phenomenal guy. He was a Native American Indian up there. What an amazing dude, and just so warm and friendly. So, I a lot of good experiences uh, in 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 uh, MMA in the early days, and that's why I'm so passionate about it. Uh, I guess I just want to throw out there, Nick, um, Juliana Pena coming back off a of pregnancy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Fighting Jermaine Durandamy. This is not. That's a not, good fight. That's not a good situation. For uh, Juliana Pena, I mean, the last time she fought, was oh, she fought. You don't think it's she, a good situation for Juliana Pena, or you don't think it's it's a good situation for Juliana uh, Pena? I mean, for Durandamy. 
I, no, Juliana Pena. I don't think it's a good situation for her. I mean, she yeah, she beat uh, Nico Montano. She made it, got a decision off of that. She lost to uh, Shevchenko in uh, and that was That's a then long the pregnancy. time before yeah. Shevchenko was champion. Yeah, yeah, it was the pregnancy happened uh, yep. after that. But I think what I'm trying to get out there, what I'm trying to painfully wrap with, is I. I don't think after this much time being away and particularly with the, the, the limited skill set that she had that she's going to be terribly successful at this time around. Really? I, I, I'll I, say I, this. I'll say this. Okay. Um, uh, definitely have the opposite opinion. <laughs> okay. All right. I think, I mean, like, how does uh, Randomly lose? How does she lose her fights usually? It's, it's usually on the ground, right? Um, usually, yeah, some people on the ground, right? I mean, okay. So, I mean, what's, what's Pena's strong suit? It's the ground. Okay. Okay. I feel like, I think, I mean, how is, uh, Duranamine's takedown defense? Not the best. So therefore I feel like, (laughs) you know, Pena has a very good chance of just winning the fight based on, I mean, if she could get a takedown and just kind of either pass and get a submission or just take her down and just. Okay. You know, land some strikes. I mean, she could do that. I think she could do that all day. Okay, Nick, I will bet you a vegan banh mi sandwich. Oh, I'd make a mean be- vegan banh mi sandwich. <laughs> you don't even know. I'll bet you a vegan banh mi on this fight, okay? Dude. <laughs> yeah, for next time we get together, man, uh, it'll determine who's paying for lunch. Yeah, for okay? sure. Yeah, right, I'll take you up go. on that. I'll take you all on, right. man. <laughs> it's about to get real up in here, man. We're going to see next week Juliana Pena or GDR, man. What's up, Holmes? I love me some GDR, though. So, I mean, oh, I know. she's great. I love me some GDR. And you know, I, I'm Pena not was a bit... talking about the fact that she's a statuesque beauty. Oh, wait. I think I just said that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, no, she really is, is uh, an excellent, an excellent fighter. And um, I don't know. She just fits so well in the fabric of MMA because she doesn't have any negativity. She has no bullshit. She's actual real police officer. In the yeah. I forgot that. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. And she's just very real. There's no, there's no BS about her. She doesn't come on the mic and say stupid things or, you know, and if you watch any of the behind the scenes stuff where she's home with her mom, it's just really adorable. It's yeah, it is adorable. So, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Nick, we we miss Will Wu. He's going to come back next week. Next week, okay. full force. Yep, he'll bring something. We'll get it. And um, I hope you have an awesome weekend watching. I got to get to the NBA Finals, see what's going on with the Lakers and the Heat. Yeah. Okay, brother? All right, man. All right, man. For Nick Cazono, this is DJ San Marco from MMA BJJ and Life. You can find us on Twitter. Nick is at? at Eat Thrash. Eat, Eat Thrash. thrash. I am at, at MMA underscore BJJ underscore and life. Um, and if you want to email us, it's MMA.BJJ.AndLife at gmail.com. Tell us uh, how terrible you think I really am, and, uh, and I'll get better. Okay? All right. Peace out, and we'll see you down the road. Thank you for joining us.